0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a landmark, Buzzkill, for the love of God, turn your speakers down, welcome to a landmark episode of the Mayor on Air podcast. I, of course, am the mayor of Henchtown, James Hinchcliffe, and I'm going to give you a little background into this podcast, okay? Back in August 2015, uh, Buzzkill and I did a podcast from Milwaukee. We had Brian Herta on the show. And what ended up happening was we completely threw the format of the show out the window once we got Brian talking, because he had so many cool stories from back in the day and from his career. We didn't want to play games with him or do a quiz with him or make him play trick or tweet. Although I think we maybe did that at the end. But what we decided was that that was the birth of what we're calling the Legends series episodes on the Mare on Air. Now, I believe that was the first and last one that we've done to this point. So we're very, very excited to have the second installment of the Legend series of the Mare On Air podcast, and we shot for the stars on this one, and we are humbled and honored to have, I think, the greatest motor racing driver that has ever lived sitting beside us, Mr. Mario Andretti. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, my friend. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I never expected that from you. No, no.
0: Even after the video thing I gave you last night, yeah, but uh,
1: I don't know. What did you What did you get from that? Anyway, did somebody juice you up a little bit? Absolutely, or? absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah. My,
0: Michael told me to uh, lay it on pretty thick. Yeah,
1: but nevertheless, it was really well taken. Believe me, cool. I, it just gave me shivers. It's <laughs> got the, the goosebumps right, right now. The goosebumps. Uh,
0: the bad news for you guys is half of this. Uh, interview basically already took place before we started recording I mean technically we were recording so I think Buzz is going to splice in some of the gold that we've already got from you we've already covered uh, your stint on Jeopardy right so you've mm. been the, the, the daily double clues on Jeopardy right do you remember any of the clues no well wasn't one of them singing? oh one somewhere? was
1: a uh, singing an uh, aria an opera you know so from Verdi and, can you uh, give us a sample of that I can just give you that's it that's all you get
0: that's all we get that's fine
1: I don't get paid paid for this you know that's
0: fair that's fair and that's more singing uh, than any of our guests have given us so you're already leading that category among the many categories that you've led Man, it, I don't even know where to start. That's the problem here. Uh, normally, if you were to get interviewed, you'd be interviewed by a professional that has some sort of thought process and layout as to what they're going to ask and do how. Some
1: homework or something, and,
0: right? Instead, you got me.
1: Um, but where were you from for rehearsal? I was here like. That's true. Mario beat
0: me to two the hours studio ago today. Waiting for you. I, I do apologize for that. I appreciate okay. you for being very punctual. Right. You're, fast, you're fast. You arrive. You arrive ahead of time. That's, I have that's else to do.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Mario. What was the
1: first car you ever drove? Oh. On, on the road or a race car? I mean, which came first? Well, on the road, there was probably a 46 Ford. 46 Ford, okay. Why? Yes. Well, I'm, you know why? Because that's the first car that the family ever purchased when we came over from Italy in 1955. So you didn't have a car in Italy? We didn't have a car in Italy. What year did you come over? 1955. five. Fifty five. And we had a 46 Ford. That 46 was first Ford. car. Where'd you move to? Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Straight to where Nazareth. I'm right now. Where you yeah, still are? You've been there. I've been there you many know, times. You the metropolis of Nazareth. I
2: did.
0: <laughs> I didn't want to sit here and brag in front of everybody about okay. you know getting to come to Nazareth and you know tour tour the uh, <coughs> the Andretti Estate. Um, but I'm going to. So I got to go to Nazareth a couple times, and Mario's been kind enough to have us you know into his home, and you walk in. Uh, you walk in the front door. Please stop me if I'm if I'm getting too detailed here, but the entire I want to call it foyer area mm. is just floor to ceiling trophy cabinets. Atrium. The atrium. Sorry, I apologize. The atrium is floor to ceiling trophy cabinets, and they are packed full. Mm. And my favorite thing is that you remember something about every single one of those things. Your memory is incredible. How is that? How do you do that after as many races as you've been in and you've won and all the rest of it?
1: Well, because it's important, obviously. It's an important part of your life. And, uh, and when my mind all of a sudden starts concentrating on that, it's amazing, really, what comes back. Uh, I remember just uh, uh, the last book that I did uh, with Gordon Kirby. Uh, we were ch- just trying to illustrate every racing car that I drove, which was uh, up to 176 or something in my career and try to remember something about each one. and It's amazing how much I remember, quite honestly. You know, once here I saw the car, I have the car, and I see the photo and so forth, and it, it just brings it back. Um, sometimes, as I say, I amaze myself. Uh, but uh, it's only because it, it meant so much to me, mm-hmm. you know, throughout. And um, and the trophy is pretty much the same, and as you probably notice, I, it's a collage. I don't have a section this is important, yeah, this no, is not, you know, because they're all important. And um, and again, uh, just received another one last night, actually, it was, it was not for winning a race, but for, uh, I, I was a big winner last night, you know, uh, along with the research center here at the Watkins Glen, because uh, it's the, um, uh, the, the uh, singer, you yeah. know, trophy, which is uh, very prestigious, in my opinion, for what it represents, you know, with Cameron uh, being the, so iconic, you know, in his day to uh, bring Formula One to to the Watkins Glen and um, give it at home for so long that, um, they, you know, it really established Formula One in the United States. And, and for me uh, to have had so much experience here, where I drove here uh, almost... Uh, Every discipline that I have ever driven in my career, really? I drove here. My first race was Formula One mm-hmm. in 68. It was my very first time here, and I was on pole, you know, at, uh, with, uh, at Lotus. Uh, I guess what was next to me was Jackie Stewart, which makes it a premium in itself. But uh, I raced uh, Formula One, Can-Am, Formula 5000, sports yeah. prototypes, you know. Uh pretty much uh everything that I had raced in, in my career. Did you race
0: here in IndyCar? Oh my okay. indie, yeah. 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 When was the last IndyCar? time you raced here?
1: Uh, that I don't remember actually. Um, oh this morning, you know, with two seater. And the two seater. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There Gee. you go.
0: So uh, let sure me ask remember. you then, when when you and Gordon Kirby were doing the book about cars of your career, is the most recent is the last page of the book on the the Delara two seater? Oh. <laughs>
1: No? No, but I tried to remind everybody that in the last seven or eight years, I led every single race, (laughs) every single IndyCar race, and I was on pole in every single IndyCar race. You started
0: first. That is true. That is true. Don't forget that. So, I I will never forget that. I will also never forget... (laughs) I probably shouldn't say this story, but I'm gonna. And you're lucky; it's Honda power, too. Of know, course so, it is. I mean, so, you know, only the so best. you got to appreciate it. only the best for the best. I remember when we were—I uh, was driving for Michael's team, and we were at the speedway testing, and it was 2012. It was a new car, so so a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of guys trying to figure out who was going to have what, and it was you know a very exciting time. And you, Marco, and I were standing in pit lane. Our cars were you know back getting worked on, and we were just standing, just watching, observing, and. <laughs> you we, we were just you know just three guys just taking in the scene enjoying, enjoying indie cars going around the speedway, and unprompted you turn around, you look at both of us and you go, "You know I could probably still beat half the wankers out here and Marco and I burst out laughing and i, I tell this story I tell this story, Mario, because we both agreed with you and i'm and I'm wondering now if you still feel that way if you do you think you could get an indie car in the speedway
1: and and still wheel it the way you used to?" Why a guy can dream, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you you know that I I just, it's never gone out of my system. You know, it's just, uh, uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, when we get serious, you got to be realistic. Um, uh, At Indianapolis, especially though, could I go out there and run, you know, 225, 6? Yeah, I could do that. That I know. God, I uh, want to see that so badly. <laughs> well, actually, to be honest with you, it's uh, 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 the last two years mm-hmm. after the 500. It's you know, it's not. Uh, it's a secret. But uh, uh, I've uh, I've driven 33 individuals at 200 miles an hour, mm-hmm. just over 200 miles an hour with a two seater, mm-hmm. and that thing is like uh, going around with an 18 wheeler. So yeah. the, the point I'm making is, uh, you know. I'm using every inch. I'm going from grass to wall. You know, I'm using every inch. So I know that with a proper racing car and so forth, you know, with the the balance, <clears throat> I could deal with that. You know, so For sure. the, the speed is not an issue, you know, uh, but uh, uh, competing would be something else right, you know, right. that I need. Probably a couple of days of practice. Just you know. a couple. Just a couple. Maybe <laughs> yeah. right but, there. But, uh, yeah, I, f- I feel that a place like that, i,
0: could, yeah. I could still... Okay, so, and I'm, I'm bouncing around like crazy, but that's just what happens in my head. Uh, so, you you moved to Nazareth in 55. So, the first car you drove was the family 46 Ford. Well, I, I didn't have my license yet, though. Of course. I was 15. I drove my first car when I was like six. Yeah. And I'm I'm talking talking road car, (laughs) but that's a different story. Uh, So you obviously got in a road car before you got
1: in a race car.
2: Yes.
0: What was the
1: first race car you drove? The one that we built. Uh, We built, and my brother Aldo and I uh, just built a a 1948 Hudson, Hudson Hornet, which uh, uh, the reason we chose that is because uh, at that time uh, the factory had just uh, quit NASCAR, but... They, uh, the Hudson cars, especially that uh, particular model, was the most successful, especially on the dirt tracks, because of uh, you put a lot of cross weight, you know, on the cars and uh, and the rigidity, it was a unibody construction, mm-hmm. uh, was obviously playing a big role in that, in maintaining the you know, the constant, um, uh, so you could weight cross weight, and and uh, and uh, we started. We brought that, you know, but we wanted to do something different, you know, than everybody else because we were new. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not that we thought about it, you know, uh, we had four or five other guys around, and there's always the geek there that you got to yeah. listen to. Yeah. And uh, and we listened to him. His name was Charlie Mitch. And, uh, and so we bought um, uh, information uh, uh, from one of the top teams. You know, and uh, that actually had folded in NASCAR, mm-hmm. and um, and so when we arrived, Aldo Aldo and I, you know, both wanted to drive. We had uh, you know one car, two drivers, and he wanted to toss, and I was glad actually. But he goes out in the heat to start him last, you know, because of handicap, you know, and, you know mm-hmm. we we were new and and yeah, uh, they didn't have single car qualifying anyway. Uh, bah, bah, bah 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 he wins the heat. Right. And in a feature the same way, the first race. And uh, so I opened some eyes, ours too, you know, obviously. Uh, and um, I did the same thing the following week. Then, you know, we had a pretty pretty decent season. We, we went upside down. We did all the good As things you do. that you need to As do. As you do. You know?
0: Yeah, it's all part but of the learning overall, process.
1: overall, like I said, and, but that was the first race car. Objective was always, you know, however, to go into single seaters. Right. And the next step would have been a midget, which the next midget was a three-quarter midget indoors in the winter, you know, where some of the in Pennsylvania, yeah, well, in New Jersey, New New York, okay, you know, they had, uh, uh, you know, different uh, actually uh, uh, ice hockey arenas, you know, really, uh, that's where we, yeah, that's where they set the course, and um, and so there I was fairly successful in that, too, and that's what I got. I earned my ride in a full-size midget, you know, so I was just stepping stone, step stone and on. And a midget and sprint cars, blah, blah, blah. There
0: you go. Okay, so favor- of of those 176 race cars, or it was, what was your favorite one? Every one I could win a race. <laughs> Spoken like a true racer. There's got to be one, though, that stands out that was... Because I, I imagine if it was fun enough to drive, it was probably quick enough to win. But there's got to be one that
2: well, it, was
1: extra special. you know, it's the cars that talk to you. Mm-hmm. You know, how many cars, um, you know, do you enter a race with that uh, uh, you feel that, you know, today they have to beat me? And uh, there were a couple times when I felt that way. Uh, my Lotus 79 was one. For sure. Uh, there were a couple of times in, uh, when uh, Adrian Newey was my my engineer in 87 uh with the lola that i had uh, i mean we were so i mean right in into you know the sweet spot of the car that uh uh, a couple times when you know we started a race i felt today they gotta beat me unless you know the engine or something goes but you know i i felt so confident and um and those are great moments, obviously, in your career when, because they're so rare. <laughs> you know? For sure. But, um, you know, those are a couple of the cars. Uh, my favorite Formula One car, with all the cars that I, that I drove, you know, the, obviously earlier Ferrari where I won my first race in South Africa and all that, and then the Lotuses. But uh, my favorite one was my last one at, uh, when I substituted for uh, when Didier Pironi was killed uh, in 1982 in Monza. And that was uh, the was first time that I drove a turbocharged, mm-hmm. and those days that turbocharged we like were qualified. 1300. with like 11, yeah. 1,200 yeah. horsepower. It's Crazy, and uh, and that was amazing. And, and especially Monza. And being, <laughs> yeah, being out of uh, the cockpit for nine months, and I get in and I put that thing on pole. It was exhilarating, and uh, I led most most of the race, and I lost the turbo on the left side the last couple of laps, but I still finished on podium. But, but I have such a wonderful memory. I love that car because, I mean, it was like an explosion, mm-hmm. you know, when that engine. It wasn't very sweet as far as, right. you know, through the range. You know, you had to get your attention. But, man, when that power came on, it was a swift kick on. in the ass. But, uh, that's what every <laughs> race driver loves, you know. When you see the you, you revs go, ah, ah,
3: ah yeah. you, know,
1: you know, you're going. What was your least favorite car? Probably uh, a um, Can-Am car called the Honker. Well, I mean, that pretty much gives it away right there. And as soon as that arrived, and, and it was pink, and it was, <laughs> it was a Ford effort. And it had to be pink, besides, I don't know why. Okay. And as soon as, and you know how it is, you look at a car, and and you see, you know what, even the shape of the, the car, I said, this car can't work. right. But then mechanically, there were other stories, you right. know, like uh, you know, uh, Len Terry uh, is a fine one of the fine designers of sports cars. I think he had probably a, a very bad dream just before <laughs> he started uh, penning this one out. And, the honker. Uh, the honker. And uh, and that car when it arrived, and that's when I met uh, Paul Newman. By the way, mm-hmm. we were in Bridgehampton, Long Island. And uh, the morning of the race I see Paul Newman, the name on the car, they put uh, we had no was know, he driving the honker? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, no. they put her on my car. They put he was the sponsor.
3: And yeah, oh, he, he, okay. he arrives
1: he arrived there and uh, he and Joanne and oh I was just shaking, on you know, And I said, uh, Mr. Newman I said, uh, you know, I was just kidding, I said, the car is so bad, I said that maybe you should drive it. <laughs> I said, you know, I said, uh, and uh, but uh, and that's what really uh, I think that's when I got him to to to, uh, to to I don't know to stimulate his interest in the sport. I took him around Bridgehampton with uh, one of the Shelby base cars or something, mm-hmm. and um, and I don't know if you've been in Bridgehampton, but it was really one of those uh, courses with elevations and blind corners and yeah. so forth. You know, so it was one of those. Uh, Bit of a breathtaker, you know, if, if you're, especially if the first time. And, and uh, I think it captured his imagination, you know, when he saw that. And right after that, he he uh, went for a national SCCA license and uh, he started racing SCCA and so forth. And uh, so he had a really quite the career, you know, in, in SCCA. But uh, then he just became enamored with, with our sport mm-hmm. right after that. So it's my fault. I think you're the I reason. I take credit for, for that. Not for bringing him there because I didn't, afford did, but uh, but for making making it and then we uh, and, and that cultivated a friendship right from the beginning.
0: And then he went on to well, uh, were he, he went on to form a little organization. You may have heard of it called Newman Haas, that uh, you know did
1: did I some put, okay things put them in our sport. I I, I know you together. did. Yeah, I put them together. There was uh, the the most probably unorthodox, orthodox. Uh, uh, marriage, if you will, which turned out to be uh, a marriage made in heaven. One of the most successful yeah. ever. All right, Mario, we're going to come back with more.
0: Uh, we're already about double the length of our first segment, but hey, that's what happens in the Legends series here on the Maronier Podcast. Now, Mario, we normally like to ask our guests if they've ever listened to an episode of the show. Have you ever heard one of our shows before? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Luckily, again, like I'm I said gonna, it before, I'm
1: listen to this one.
0: Uh, well, I would hope so. That'd be good. <laughs> no, That'd be good. I, ne-
1: I never want to hear what I you know,
0: <laughs> anything that I, you know what you said.
1: You know, just even a commercial, I cringe. You know when I just watch myself, I say, oh no, that
0: bad. Well, you're not that. You're great. I watch no, your MagnaFlow commercials bad, 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 bad. and your Firestone <laughs> commercials. Seen them all. You're great. But uh, so. N- to, to, just so you feel better no guest has ever listened to one of our shows before they've come on <laughs> so it's fine um, but one of the things that we like to do and we discussed this before was we throw to a song during the break that we like our guest to pick so do you have a song that you would like to play Charlie Daniels, Charlie Daniels. Right. and is there a particular reason you want to play this song well you'll find out we'll find out alright keep, uh, keep a close listen to the lyrics in uh, An Easy Rider by Charlie Daniels <laughs> back with more from Mario Andretti right after this
3: I was taking a trip out to LA, tooling along in my Chevrolet, toking on a number and digging on the radio. And just as I crossed the Mississippi line, I heard that highway start to whine, and I knew that left rear tire was about to go. Well, the spare was flat, and I got up tight, because there wasn't a filling station in sight, so I just limped on down the shoulder on the rim i went as far as i could and when i stopped the car it was right in front of this little bar kind of a redneck looking joint called the dew drop in well i stuffed my hair up under my hat and told the bartender that i had a flat and would he be kind enough to give me change for a one well there was one thing i was sure proud to see there wasn't a soul in the place except for him and me and he just looked disgusted and pointed toward the telephone I called up a station down the road a ways and he said he wasn't very busy today and he could have somebody there in just about 10 minutes or so. He said, now you just stay right where you're at. And I didn't bother to tell the darn fool that I sure as hell didn't have any place else to go. I just ordered up a beer and sat down at the bar when some guy walked in and said, who owns this car with the peace sign and the mag wheels and four on the floor? Well, he looked at me and I damn near died and I decided that I'd just wait outside so I laid a dollar on the bar and headed for the door. Just when I thought I'd get out of there with my skin, these five big dudes come strolling in with this one old drunk chick and some fellow with green teeth. And I was almost at the door when the biggest one said, you tip your hat to this lady, son. And when I did, all that hair fell out from underneath. Now the last thing I wanted was to get in a fight in Jackson, Mississippi on a Saturday night, especially when there was three of them and only one of me. But they all started laughing and I felt kind of sick, and I knew I'd better think of something pretty quick, so I just reached out and kicked old Green Teeth right in the knee. Now he let out a yell that'd curl your hair, but before he could move, I grabbed me a chair and said, watch him, folks, because he's a thoroughly dangerous man. Well, you may not know it, but this man's a spy. He's an undercover agent for the FBI, and he's been sent out here to infiltrate the Q Club's plan. He was still bent over, holding on to his knee, but everybody else was looking and listening to me, and I laid it on thicker and heavier as I went. I said, would you believe this man has gone as far as tearing Wallace stickers off the bumpers of cars, and he voted for George McGovern for president. Well, he's a friend of them long-haired hippie-type pickle fags. I bet you he's even got a commie flag tacked up on the wall inside of his garage. He's a snake in the grass, I tell you guys. He may look dumb, but that's just a disguise. He's a mastermind in the ways of espionage. So they all started looking real suspicious at him, and he jumped up and said, Now, just wait a minute, Jim, you know he's lying. I've been living here all of my life i'm a faithful follower of brother john birch and i belong to the antioch baptist church and i ain't even got a garage you can call home and ask my wife then he started saying something about the way i was dressed but i didn't wait around to hear the rest i was too busy moving and hoping i didn't run out of luck when i hit the ground i was making tracks and they were just taking my car down off the jack so i threw the man a 20 and jumped in and fired that mother Mario Andretti would have sure been proud of the way I was moving when I passed that crowd coming out the door and headed toward me in a trot. And I guess I should have gone ahead and run, but somehow I just couldn't resist the fun of chasing them all just once around the parking lot. Well, they're headed for their car, but I hit the gas and spun around and headed them off at the pass. I was slinging gravel and putting a ton of dust in the air. Well, I had them all out there stepping and fetching like their heads were on fire and their asses was catching, but I figured I'd better go ahead and split before the cops got there. When I hit the road, I was really wheeling, had gravel flying and rubber squealing, and I didn't slow down until I was almost to Arkansas. Well, I think I'm going to reroute my trip. I don't wonder if anybody would think i flipped if I went to L.A. via Omaha.
0: Uh, compliments of Mr. Mario Andretti here on the Mare On Air podcast, Sirius 214XM209. Uh, it's one of the Legend Series episodes here on the podcast, and that was just one of how many songs, Mario, that reference you? I mean,
1: I don't know, there's a number thrown out there, which is almost ridiculous. It's but, uh, like almost triple digits. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Almost. We we looked up we looked up <laughs> the list. There's people like we got Alan Jackson, we got Gwen Stefani, we got Rick Ross. We have you've, you're covering Amy, a lot of the Amy different Amy
1: Grant, yeah. Amy
0: Grant, a lot of the different uh, genres you're you're touching on here. Beastie Boys, Ice Cube. It, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> Did, you were, I mean, you were kind of like you were like the first American rock star racing driver. Like, when you were in the 60s and the 70s, you were as big as they came. How does that... I mean, what was life like back then when, you know, the 69, 80, 500 winner, Formula One champion, I mean, your lifestyle was probably about as cool as it could possibly get.
1: Well, come on, Mayor. You know, it's a lot of work. All I was doing is racing, you know. I know. And that, well, that's but, true, you know, too, what, right? right? You're right, though. Uh, the one thing that uh, I... Derived from my from my life and and you know even being so busy, I maximized the uh, the opportunities uh, of uh, you know visiting different parts of the world, mm-hmm. uh, you know all over USA, but also you know my travels abroad, and um, and I think that uh, and and I enjoyed that side of it as well. You know uh, I'm looking at maybe uh, even comparing to Michael when Michael was. Was driving. He was so focused, mm-hmm. you know, on his driving alone. He couldn't let go. So he was not really enjoying his life. Where, thanks to my wife, uh, she was obviously, uh, you know, helping me do that. Uh, uh, I would, I could turn it off, yeah, and then really enjoy because of the opportunities to meet, you know, cool people and so forth. Uh, so we had some great stories, great moment, great uh, things to remember, uh, great memories, as I say, of events and places that we've gone to, and uh, many things were actually quite cool. Yeah, you're right.
0: Was there one particular person that you got to meet uh, that kind of stands out, someone that, you know, you were, you were kind of fanboying over rather than the other way around?
1: A well, celebrity
0: or a I don't know, maybe it was a politician, maybe it was a religious figure, who knows?
1: Well, that always happens, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, what would come to mind, you know. I always wanted to be friend of Pope. I was, ju- I, was I was just going to say just, that, I was like, did you ever meet just, the Pope? I just wanted to be a good buddy with a Pope. He's you and John Paul I'm, just hanging out, I'm, you know? Yeah, I've just never achieved that yet, though, so that's still my bucket list. It's time to, to meet a Pope. But not only to meet him, but to be, be a buddy, friend. you know, all just right. to, to call gonna be him, able to be texting call the by Pope. his first name, you yeah, know, yeah, instead yeah. of his, his Excellency, you know, yeah. call him hey Johnny or something. <laughs> <but laughs> Yo, know, JP, what's going on? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, that, would be, that would be pretty impressive. I have great respect.
1: You know, of course. I'm not, I'm of not, course. You know, I'm not no, of just, course. Uh, you know, I, but I'd like to have... That's why you, you at, want to have... Be at that level. All right. All yeah. right. Uh, driving for as long
0: as you did and the amount of categories that you did and all the rest of it, you uh had a lot of teammates and this is this is a topic we bring up with a lot of our guests and because most of them are still active drivers they usually give us the pr answer that nobody wants to hear but you don't necessarily have to do that you know you can answer this however you like but
1: who was your best teammate best teammate uh probably michael actually Mm -hmm. my own son uh no bias there, Maybe because we never spoke to each other.
0: <laughs> was it like a crazy rivalry with you two?
1: <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, it was. But I mean, uh, oh, I believe he, it. He had pretty much, you know, especially you know later on. the uh, you know, he had the upper hand for sure. I mean, Michael was just relentless. It was uh, it was amazing actually. It was. Uh, I remember the first time uh, it was in, in, in Meadowland. The first time he actually made a competitive pass on me. And I uh, and used to drive my wife crazy See, I, because I, it was never a clean pass. I, it was love that. I love
0: that you remember the race. You remember the specific race where Michael that, passed yeah, you like on track competitively for yes, the first time.
1: You're darn right. Wait <laughs> till <laughs> you have your own son pass you. You remember. Yeah, fair. fair. And, uh, and here we go. We go into the hairpin, and sure enough, you know, I didn't make it easy for him. You know, we touched wheels a little bit. And I figured, talk on it. then I said, Ah, boy. You know, <laughs> That's you, my boy. As he drove into the sunset, you know, yeah, it was um, uh, the other race that was really interesting was uh, 1986 at Portland. Portland. Yeah, the, I was, love that picture. Was, what was? Yeah, you've seen the. I've picture. seen the picture. Father's Day. Yeah, and, uh, and, and you know, anyway, so he, he had the race sewed up. He was uh, winning, and I was. I had settled for second, and. Two laps, it was two, two or three laps from the end, he started having some uh, f- uh some f- fuel I guess problems, some shit problem. Pickup you know, with pickup problems. Problem. And and so uh, Brian Lyons, the engineer, just screaming in my, he says, Michael is having some upfield pickup problem. And he said, Man, I stood up on that seat, you know. <laughs> and we're coming down for the drag race <laughs> for the finish. And and I just thought I, I I knew that I I knew i beat him, you know. Two inches. You saw the photo. The photo great. And it was seven one thousandths of a second, but our PR guy, Michael Knight, it's impossible. So this says seven one hundredths. So they, they, they uh, cheated us of an absolute record. It was seven, look, two inches. The photos don't lie. Two inches like that, you know, at 170 miles an hour. Seven one thousandths of a second. But anyway, uh, we're on podium, and, uh, you know, Michael is not, you know, you know, not happy, not happy, and somebody says, "Michael, it's Father's Day," <laughs> and he says, "Oh, Happy Father's Day!" <laughs> <You> know, so, <laughs> and uh, it, it was a quiet ride home on a plane. You know but that uh, <laughs> you know, did that go, but I I so enjoy that, and 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 and, and Deanne says, uh, "You know, I knew you weren't going to let him win." <laughs> Of so so you know. So we had, uh, you know, like you said, going back to your question, as teammates. It was, it was a lot of fun because uh, even when I got beat, I, f- I feel my own blood is there's a, there's a beating me. Yeah, you know? there's a, so right? a point of pride, right? There's a point of pride. Yeah, it's almost. And, so but, good. If you're but I had to lose to someone. You know, I had, uh, you know, I was fortunate to have a lot of good teammates. You know, uh, Ronnie Peterson was one. You know, where are and. Uh, where we became just not just team but friends you Mm -hmm. know where you spend quality time together and all that Uh, and along the way like I said I was you know quite fortunate so
0: here's a question for you because you know we have had European drivers come over whether it was out of F1 GP2 sports cars whatever just kind of born and bred in Europe and they come over here and they they find the atmosphere very different. They find the camaraderie between the drivers is 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 a lot higher. Yes. You know, we're much closer as as a community, as a family. We're all friends. We travel together, some of us vacation together, all the rest of it. Where over there, you know, your teammates the first guy you got to hate and then you got to hate everyone else almost as much. It seems like kind of back when you were in F1, it was a little more that way, at least earlier. I mean, you know, you look back to So, you talk about some of those friendships. There was definitely more
1: camaraderie. It was more like that. Yeah, we used to hang out like, uh, uh, we know we'd be in South Africa by the pool, we'd be in uh, Brazil and so on and so forth. There was a lot of that, you know, the way we hang out and and pull pranks on each other and all that, just like you guys do. I always say, you know what, Uh, people should uh, really come to know these characters. That we have uh you know because i I'm, I'm I'm there usually <clears throat> just before a driver introduction before a race, and, and I see you guys kidding around and everything else I said. Here they are, just joking, kidding around. and I said, ten minutes later, they're going to try to kill each other out there. <laughs> I said, but uh, it's wonderful to see that, you mm-hmm. know. It's like even uh, just the guys like Marco brings around you and and, and and your other pals and so forth. I love to see that. I mean, it's uh, it's very healthy. I think. Yeah, uh, it, it's good for all of us to, to you know to have that relationship uh, because then ultimately, you know. But there's a respect at the same time, but but also there's a human side that sure. really is very valuable, and it is lacking, I think, and all the drivers are saying that in Formula 1, mm-hmm. even uh, he, uh, uh, just coming over, you yeah, know, Fernando, you know, he, he he had a breath of fresh air, yeah. actually, but he says that himself, and uh, even the fact that uh, just they started to interact with the fans, when he saw the reaction mm-hmm. that he got when he dropped out of Indy, after he'd been so brilliant, uh, but the appreciation and then he drops out of uh, the race in Montreal, and he's up in the grandstands, yeah. greeting the fans and people yeah. pointing on him. You know, it was awesome. And, uh, and, and I could see him just uh, just yesterday. You know, the show, the, something in Monza when you arrived there. You know, the Italians are incredible, and he's out there just for hours signing autographs. And uh, so th- that is that is a good thing you know that, that we see but it's, uh, you're right I think it's some of that I think I wish it would change a little bit in Formula 1 perhaps and I think they themselves would probably enjoy more for sure I don't, I don't know if they um, uh, don't have the opportunities or something but uh but I always found that uh, uh, some of uh, the stories, some of the things that uh, we remember on the lighter side, is all of these things. You know, the exchanges, all the pranks that we used to For pull on sure. each other. You know, I mean, I can go G- back. Give us,
0: give us one, give us one classic <laughs> prank that uh, you uh, were involved, either oh, pulled the, on you or the, you pulled on someone the, the, that we can play on a family show. Uh, the, well, the classic, uh,
1: uh, uh, always has to be a Bobby answer. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Bobby. <laughs> Uncle Bobby, you know. But, but I'll tell you one, that uh, we were in, in um, uh, Hanford, California. And uh, and we used to pal around, you know, to drive together. And he was always so cheap, so, you know, I always had to rent the car and he would be riding with me. <laughs> right. So we're riding back to the hotel and we're coming off the freeway. And, um, you know, he's in the car himself, too. He just blinds me with a newspaper. And, and there was a curb there, so I nailed the curb and blew the tire, you know, on the car. And uh, so I said, oh, I'm not going to stop. So I kept going and everything, and this thing almost caught fire, you know, so I pulled over. And and he's out there, you know, he's on the roof of the car. I mean, this is my rental car. He's jumping on the roof trying to, you know, stop somebody to help, you know. So one of the Ford guys, uh, Danny Jones, stopped by, and uh, and and uh, we said, oh, Danny, this is the eye. Uh, where do they have the spare cars on these new cars? We don't know, you know. So uh, the guy just, uh, you know, he said, "Well, I'll show you." So and he had his car running. We jumped in his car and we took off. We left it there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the next, but the, the next day, the next day it was uh, it was my turn then, and uh, we were all lined up, you know. To, you, you draw for qualifications. Yeah. And uh, I went out there and I was out. Uh, I had an early number. And he was still in line, so I went uh, i i uh, I went to the uh, to the office there and I says um uh, please page Bobby that he has an urgent phone call at the phone booth you know which was just just so far so uh, that's where they page him and uh, he said go to the gray phone booth uh, as soon as he went to the phone booth i just uh, I got a bunch, a roll of tape and I taped him in there." <laughs> So uh he missed his qualifying so, he, so so he so he only got one lap because he you know, he missed his turn so the doc you know, he only got one qualifying lap. Can you imagine doing that today, you know, you sued by all the sponsors and what so, but then the <laughs> next time I had to brace myself for the next one. You know, it just, it just uh,
0: escalated from there.
1: Escalated from there. Uh, oh gosh. Oh I mean, man, that's I, too good. I have a few of those. Yeah,
0: I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Okay, we've got to we've got to take one more quick break, and then tragically, I've got to stop talking. I've got to let you answer questions from fans. Uh, but like the last break, we've got to throw out another song. So, do you have? do you want to throw another Andretti song out there or do you want something that maybe you just like listening to or well you know what I mean uh, other than opera no what do you mean other than opera well I mean I mean, the commercial breaks only so long if we play an entire opera we're going to play
1: an Aria or something that's, that's uh, you know I'll tell you what we're got we going to go with um, oh gosh uh, oh the Emigrant song the one that that, um, good For Me? Yeah, the Good For Me was a good one.
0: There you go. Good For so. Me by Amy Grant. This is uh, another one that uh, shouts out to the living legend himself, Mr. Mario Andretti. We will be back with more from him right after this. of The Mayor On Air with Mario Andretti. And we go come now to our third and final segment, which normally is a segment called Trick or Tweet, but I'm not even going to potentially have the weird off chance that Mario chooses a magic trick and robs the the great fans who have submitted questions their chance to have uh, their questions answered. So we're just going to go straight to questions that uh, fans have uh, sent in either from Twitter or uh, on email. Fair enough. And uh, we're just going to hit it. Here we go. Uh, hello, Mario and James. Okay, both of you have been in a lot of promotions and have been involved with a lot of companies. What are the weirdest, best, most awkward promotions or advertisements you've been a part of? Have you ever done a commercial that just was awful? It just went completely sideways? Or
1: The underwear commercial that never happened? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, this is this is exactly what we were the looking for. The Speedo commercial
0: that never happened? You were supposed to do a Speedo commercial.
1: Honestly, uh, I was asked to do a a, a commercial for the um, uh, play. Was it Playgirl? Uh, there was, you know, and, and I was asked to, to be naked <laughs> behind the wing of, of a race car in in Ontario, California. Can you imagine that? Uh, I, I can imagine it. <laughs> uh, I,
0: I, you know, I, I can imagine why you didn't want to do it. But, uh, so, like, I mean, how did but that... Why? How did that conversation go? <laughs> because the, the race car wouldn't have been big enough, you know, to cover... <laughs> okay, that's what I wanted to say, yeah. <laughs> The rear wing's only, you know, so big. Was, the rear Mario. wing was so small. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So I so I mean so you did you didn't do it how I did didn't that do it. how did that conversation was that a very quick sort of I, it was did you think about it at least and decide against it or was it a pretty I thought about it, for enough minute it 2 minutes Yeah. <laughs> kind of like thinking about the the mechanics yeah. of
1: it all and then yeah. Yeah, that's it yeah. you know
0: elio posed nude in in the espn body issue
1: well i mean i don't blame him
0: <laughs> he, is that is that a combo you are you telling Ellie he was a good looking to, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Alright. He's he was quite tanned by recollection. awkward. Um, okay. Cooper Cooper asks a question every week on the show and he's usually pretty good and this one's not bad. So Cooper asks, What was the worst punishment you ever gave Michael when he was young? Oh. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have a part B to that question. And what did he do?
1: I you know I don't know maybe I might have taken a go kart away from him I don't know
0: uh, I mean it sounds tame but to a know, guy that's in love with racing that's like the worst is, thing you can I do I
1: don't know smoke the cigarette I don't know
0: did he did he ever did, he, did you ever catch him doing something like that
1: no. No? no no he was clean clean cut kid so he never got in trouble never got in trouble he of any like kind a saint
0: now Mario you're lying you're lying you're lying yeah. I can tell you you're lying yeah. I know I, I know, know. Mm, okay. He's he's playing the fifth on this one, Cooper. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's. Uh, I'll ask Michael that question and see if he gives me a Perfect. more honest answer. All right. Um,
2: <laughs> I think I meant to delete this
0: one, but uh, okay. Well, I'm okay. So Mark would like to know the world's best racetrack and or city for pizza. I guess he's playing off <sighs> your Italian heritage. Are you a pizza
1: guy? No. What do you What do you think I am? I I I. Uh, uh, you know, oh God! This, remember when Robo Bozell finished third in Indianapolis? He was in a Domino car. Yeah, and he ha- he thanked the Domino Domino Pizza Hut. he says, oh, uh, he Thank didn't. you very much, Domino Pizza Hut. Oh, <laughs> he, he, you know for <laughs> that's not <So> great. He, <laughs> thank <laughs> the sponsor as a competitor, that's not, competitor. <laughs> that's not great
0: it's like when MO dr- drank orange juice when yeah, he
1: won so I tried you know Domino's good Pizza Hut is good I mean uh, I have no idea I you're not a pizza guy you know, a I'm a pizza, pizza guy. Yes, pizza. I am. I love pizza. No, isn't,
0: isn't the answer Sicily's at the bottom of your street in Nazareth? Well, that's that's a good one. That place is... And I
1: like the German pizza there. The German's good, and the German chicken pizza. parm is... Chicken parm, yeah, you've had that. It's bananas. Yeah, so there you go, Nazareth, right, Pennsylvania. Sicily's, Nazareth, the Pennsylvania. Pizza capital of there the There you world. go,
0: Mark. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, okay, this is a good question. Uh, this is from Michael. Michael asks... Obviously, M.O., T.O. Fabio, Nigel Mansell, to name a few, were guys that ran in both IndyCar and F1 with some success. But which driver you ran with during your days in F1 that never tried IndyCar do you think would have been very successful over here if he'd come?
1: Well, quite honestly, uh, a- any driver that's uh, a champion that is uh, obviously proficient in that uh, discipline could be... They're going to be good in any car. Good in any car. Right. I mean, it's... Uh, this is. You cannot categorize, uh, but it's all up to the individual, you know, just uh, what your objectives are and what you, you know, the challenges that uh, you want to pose for yourself. But uh, it falls into the same category where, uh, you know, cynics sometimes say, oh gosh, you know, the drivers of the past, look, they were the gladiators, you know, this and that. You know what? Uh, Today's champions would have been champion then and vice versa. I always say that. But uh, a lot has to do with what your desire, your desire in your belly is. As far as uh, extend yourself to other disciplines, uh, is it important to you, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, But uh, anyone that's capable in any other discipline that would mm-hmm. want to go beyond that will get it done for sure. There you go. Now, this one kind
0: of plays into something we
1: were just talking about, but
0: I'm curious myself, so I'm going to ask it. Paul Newman was known for his practical jokes. Did he ever play any on you?
1: Uh, it, was, it was just funny things that we were doing. Always, uh, you know, bets and so forth. Uh, okay. Every bet that uh, that he made, you know, I think he lost. And he's not here <laughs> not to defend game. himself. but <laughs> not a good we find, But we would de- we would bet like seventy nine, you <laughs> know, for the Super Bowl or something. And he uh, either pay me back in rubles, you know, like millions of rubles, or... Yeah, uh, I have a, still have the check, you know, dollar seventy nine. But he uh, he uh, overnighted it, so it cost nine dollars. <laughs> FedEx it to me, you know that type of thing. But there was another one. It's a long story, you know, on uh, on Broad Street there. Where, uh, it was just funny, you know, went out to dinner. I don't know, if, I don't think we have, we have time to really <laughs> talk about. But he was always, it, it, he was he was a fun kind of guy you yeah. know just uh, up for anything um there was one time we were up at the lake and uh, my lake and and uh, I have this um, it's a surf jet board you know it's yep. a, a that's uh with an engine on it oh, and, water. and you know he was game for anything so he's out there and uh, f- struggling with it he he just flipped over the bow and uh, had a slight cut on his forehead but he was struggling, we were ready for dinner, so I just got out on the lake with a sea doo And I said, Paul, I said, you know, let's go back with it. I'm looking at him, and he's bleeding, you know, his face is just bleeding. He didn't know it, you know, it was actually just uh, just a scratch, and, uh, but in the water, you know, it's magnified. Anyway, we get back on shore, and, um, and he was just, he had this blood right down, you know, his body, and I said, don't touch a thing. And so I said, let's go up to the cabin. And, uh, and, you know, he was saying, you know, I said, you act like, you know, you're just half dead, you know. I told him, because he, now he said, and he was like, oh, oh, like this. I mean, and most of the women fainted, you know, <laughs> except for Joanne. She <laughs> said, oh, no, <laughs> she knew him better. <laughs> so, but I I say he was that kind of guy.
0: So was he, was he, were you a good gambler or was he a bad gambler?
1: Uh, <laughs> Did he make bad bets, or are you particularly I don't know, good at it, betting? It worked out. Uh, it was working out that way. Uh, for some reason, I was winning the bets, but I didn't make a lot of money except for the rubles.
0: <laughs> well, the seventy was wasn't paying the bills back then? No.
1: no. Um,
0: okay, so a question from Mark. What do you think Mr. Chap? Mr. Chapman would make of modern day racing, particularly in F1? Do you think he would have adapted to the modern computer dominated world? As my understanding is, he was not a fan of computers.
1: Oh, I'm not sure you could say that because uh, he's a
0: fan of making fast race cars. You know, he
1: would have. uh, I know that Colin Chapman would have availed himself with uh, every bit of technology that he could get his hands on, no question about it. He'd never. uh, I'd never. Felt that he resisted any of that. I mean, a tool is a tool. Uh, I mean, it's uh, no, no. He he was the type of guy that uh, uh, that he would go for every possible advantage, and he would have not overlooked the computer. Uh, I I don't agree with that. Um, you know, he would have embraced it. He would have found a way to exploit every last every hundredth out of it. Absolute, yes. Yeah. Indeed, indeed, indeed. No that was the way he worked. That's the way he All was. right,
0: we're going to finish with this question. This is from Rachel. <clears throat> this is a pretty good one. It's a hypothetical situation. If you started your own four-car indie team, consisting of only drivers you competed against at any level in any series, who would your four drivers be?
1: <clears> hmm. <throat> hmm. Drivers that I competed against or not? It says oh, it, it says drivers you competed, competed against, against at against. any level or oh, in any, any series. Well, oh, it would probably be uh, uh, Foyt. It would be uh, Jackie Stewart. It would be um a senior and uh, Lauda and Mickey. There you go. That's a it's a pretty a pretty
0: <laughs> awesome team. I would I would sponsor that team. I would just retire and just sponsor Ooh. that team and just come hang out with you guys. That sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Speaking of a lot of fun, Mario, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Sorry to the fans for going grossly over our allotted time limit, but that's what happens when the legend's sitting in, uh, right here in front of you. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with another one from the season finale in Sonoma in two weeks' time. Uh, but for now, this is James Hinchcliffe and Mary of Hinchstown signing off. Thanks so much for listening.